0: Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. On today's episode, we are just going right above New York City to Dr. Calvin Hargis uh Calvin is here. He is here to talk to us about scoliosis, about his profession of being a orthopedist, and how he got there and how it impacts our world of scoliosis. He has also written a book that he is going to share with us, and his education and his passion of going on to this journey. So, Dr. Hargis, I would like to welcome you to the show.
1: Thank you, Teresa. It's uh, lovely to be here and to be with you. Yes, and you know your listeners. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you share with us, how did you start this journey? Where, where was it for you that you came to this area of expertise? Um,
1: You know, um, I've been in practice for almost four decades, believe it or not. Um, I started um, uh, as a chiropractor and then went on to specialize in orthopedics. Chiropractors can specialize these days. Um, So basically, I'm a Tennessee boy. I grew up in Tennessee. I went to the University of Tennessee, got a zoology and biology degree. Then I went to a four-year chiropractic college, Palmer, uh, the initial first college that was ever established. Um, After graduating from Palmer in 1980, I practiced in the Hudson Valley for about five years. And then I decided I wanted to uh, get specialized uh, in orthopedics. Uh, chiropractors can do various specialties, but the one, one I was interested in was orthopedics because it seemed to be most germane to the patient population I was seeing. Okay. I was seeing lots of patients with all kinds of problems, not just spinal. They would have hip mm-hmm. problems, scoliosis of course, shoulder problems, headaches, whatever. So after um, making that decision, I went to uh, through an orthopedic program given by the New York Chiropractic College, uh, which is a three-and-a-half-year program, uh, going to um, seminars every month, one weekend a month, doing lots of study in between, and then a certification process that required three days of intense testing, clinical and written. So I received my uh, diplomate in orthopedics in about 1990, uh, I would say, roughly. And uh, I've been doing orthopedic chiropractic ever since. So um, along the way, um, I started treating lots of patients with scoliosis. And I was amazed to find that when I would send patients for x rays,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which I would always evaluate myself, that I would see um, quite often length, length discrepancies in my mm-hmm. patients with one leg longer than the other, and sometimes by as much as half an inch or even an inch. Okay. But the thing that really amazed me, it actually blasted me, if I can use the term, is that none of the radiologists uh, ever commented on the length-length difference, ever. And I've used hundreds of different radiologists over my 40 years. Okay. And I've asked them about that, and they've Mm -hmm. told me universally that well, we don't know if the scoliosis caused the leg length problem or whatever. They don't mm-hmm. really don't have a very fine explanation for that. So thinking about it rationally, you know, scoliosis studies are done standing. And when you're standing, you're, you know, you're taking your shoes off. Hopefully you're standing right. in front of an x-ray cassette. Mm-hmm. Sh- the floor should be leveled. These things are inspected by the state. And um, basically, if you can visualize the upper leg at the femur, where it goes into the hip, Mm -hmm. if you have a difference there, it should be a relative difference between one leg and the other. Mm -hmm. And so I was seeing children and adults with as much as, uh, as an inch difference in their leg length. And then, of course, having a corresponding scoliosis. Now, The spine is basically a teeter-totter. It's 24 movable vertebrae Mm -hmm. sitting on a pelvis that hopefully is level. Right. But if you have one leg shorter than the other, you do have a pelvic tilt. Now, the Tower of Pisa leans because its foundation is unlevel. But we're not towers. We're human. So to balance ourselves when we have a short leg, we have to Uh, carry our torso a little bit bent over the higher leg side otherwise we would be completely out of balance Mm -hmm. and because of that tilt we start to develop a curvature in our spine. Okay. Now there was a very interesting study that was done a few years ago and I just want to be able to quote this for you because I like to be as exacting as I can when I mention these things. Um, the study was done, and it showed that when you have a curvature in the spine, in the immature spine, before it's fully developed, okay, um, the vertebrae on the concave side of the curve uh, in youth are very fragile. They haven't been developed properly. They're cartilaginous at this point. And the vertebrae will start to morph and change structurally in their shape. So the vertebrae on the concave side of a scoliotic curve will actually um, compress and not grow properly during their formation. And the vertebrae on the convex side or the other side of the individual vertebrae will be tractioned. Uh, because of being you know, on the outside of the curve, so basically what happens is the vertebrae deform over time and become wedge shaped. Can and
0: you? That, sorry, yes. go ahead. No, nope, that's. Uh, can you explain to the audience what the concave versus the convex sides are?
1: Well, the if you can imagine a curvature in the spine and a whole chain of vertebrae within that curve. The concave side is the side that is scooped out or uh, going toward the curvature. Um, In other words, if you had a stack of blocks and you had them connected by, say, a rubber band Mm -hmm. and you tilted them in such a fashion that they actually curved, the ones on the inside of the curve are compressed. The ones on the outside of the curve are stretched, okay? But it's mm-hmm. the same vertebrae. It's one vertebrae. Right. Compressed on one side, stretched on the other. And that vertebrae starts to deform in its growth in okay. the way it matures, okay? Mm-hmm. So that leads from just a functional scoliosis initially, which is just the curvature without any bone changes, to an actual structural scoliosis over time. Okay. Okay? So you actually get spinal changes. And unfortunately, studies have shown about 59% of our population has a leg length difference. And that's usually one centimeter or more. Okay.
2: Okay.
1: So the majority of scoliosis, in my opinion, are related to leg length differences, which are never... Um, Disclosed because the radiologists are not including those in their report. So, when um, parents take their child for a scoliosis study, Mm -hmm. they will never be told that their child has a short leg. And they will be totally ignorant of that fact.
0: And in your opinion, why is it that that information is not
1: being disclosed? I really don't know. I mean, of course, there's lots of money to be made in scoliosis treatment. Yeah. Okay. And if it were as simple as putting a lift in a child's shoe and correcting that deformity, there would be no money to be made.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, a study was done um, in Italy. I believe it was Italy. And I want to um, tell you this properly. So I'm going to just read an excerpt from my book, Healing the Human Machine is the title of the book, okay. and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. An interesting study was published in the July and, 2010 edition of the Archives of Medical Science. A group of researchers, researchers uh, led by Dr. Zelensky had noted that there was a high correlation between leg length difference
2: mm-hmm. and
1: scoliosis they determined that children with one leg shorter than the other caused a lowering of the pelvis as i had described before mm-hmm. on the deficient or lower leg side resulting in lumbar scoliosis with curvature usually toward the shorter side shorter leg mm-hmm. They also found that as many as 15% in their study had a leg length difference. Now, as I said, another study by Raskowski had shown that as many as 59% of the population has a short leg. Anyway, uh, between 1998 and 2006, uh, children aged between 5 and 17 years old with a leg length discrepancy and filiosis uh, were given shoeless.
2: Okay.
1: Among the 369 children, the discrepancy of 0. 0.5 centimeters was observed in 27, one centimeter or more in 329, and 1.5 centimeters or more in nine of the children. They gave these children shoeless and the vast majority of them corrected their scoliosis wow so so i mean frankly i don't understand why um scoliosis is, is uh not evaluated properly in this country mm-hmm. but it definitely is not and there is has never been as i said a single radiology report that I've ever read that mentioned a short leg. But the problem is even more profound. Studies have shown that when we have a longer, we put 6% more body weight on it. Mm -hmm. And what happens over time is the joints in that extremity will start to break down. Okay. That includes the ankle, the knee, and the hip. Mm -hmm. And other studies have shown that that is the largest reason for having hip degeneration and then having to have hip surgery. And again, these people are never informed that they have a leg length difference when they go for a low back x ray
0: Because, as you said, there's money to be made. Well, maybe there is,
1: or maybe it's just some sort of huge blindness that the medical doctors are, are not seeing and the radiologists are not seeing. The thing you have to understand, too, is that, you know, many people discount chiropractic education, which they should not. We don't get much pharmacology because we don't give medications. Right. We do receive two or more years of radiology uh, looking at MRIs, x-rays, and CAT scans.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And medical doctors never get that. So if you're going to a pediatrician, he's not looking at your x-rays. He's only looking at the radiology report. Okay. And if there is no mention of a short leg, that's never disclosed.
0: It sounds so simple, but with all the different components, makes Mm -hmm. it complex. which is a disservice, if you will. Well, how
1: complex is it to put up an x-ray, which is basically the size of your monitor, if you do it digitally, Mm -hmm. or if you're looking at the actual film,
2: Mm -hmm. it's
1: 17 inches high and 14 inches wide. And basically, you're seeing the upper lace, the -hmm. pelvis, and the lumbar spine on one, okay? Right. If you have a leg length difference of a half an inch or a centimeter or three Mm -hmm. quarters of an inch, even my patients who know nothing about radiology, when I put up those x-rays, they instantly see the difference in their leg length. Now, how is it that the radiologists don't report on that? When it's so intuitively simple to understand that the spine is going to be unlevel, that it's going to curve. Right. And once you put together that together with the research, that the bones are actually going to structurally deform in children over time when mm-hmm. they're subjected to these abnormal pressures, then I would think that it would be obvious to anyone that this could be the foundational cause of musculiosis.
0: Yes, but I think that there's, as you've mentioned it, I think that there's, you know, there is a uh, financial factor that does come into play where if it were that obvious and that simple, people can also might want to pull away from it because then there is a financial loss.
1: Right, perhaps, I don't know. Yeah. i mean i i have deep respect for the medical profession i do overall they've done marvelous things they've done absolutely yeah. absolutely but in this situation i just i i can't wrap my head around it i really cannot but let's take it a step further we said that you know this something that's so obviously the um the foundational problem and when mm-hmm. i say foundational i'm t- saying that very literally Mm-hmm. If we have that level foundation, we develop a spinal curve. It's just intuitive, okay? Right. But with people who now have scoliosis, uh, some of those uh, verte- people have vertebrae that have deformed. Others have not. Some mm-hmm. just simply have a curve, and the spine is still normal in its conformation other than the curve. mm mm-hmm. But it's very, very important at this point for people to have a proper x-ray evaluation because if they get the proper evaluation and one understands what the labeling difference is, then you can do something about it, even at this stage where you have had advanced teliosis. Uh, And very often, even adults, can be somewhat corrected, and the abnormal pressures on their joints can be alleviated. Mm -hmm. And so it just goes to the bigger issue of body confirmation and balance. You know, um, we are human machines, Mm -hmm. uh, basically. And when I wrote the book, Healing the Human Machine, which is available on Amazon, I want to put that out there. Um, I talk a lot about body balance. You know, one of the big problems with our generation today and population is that most of us have a head forward posture Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because we've worked on computers, we're looking at our mobile phones, we're doing all these things, and our head weighs about 12 pounds. Well. For every inch that we carry our head forward of its balance point over the erect shoulders,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we actually double the weight of our heads in terms of the force needed by the okay. muscles in the upper back mm-hmm. to hold our heads from toppling forward.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we're looking down at a computer screen, the head that weighs 12 pounds can actually become 24, 36, even 48 pounds. Okay. In terms That's of a the significant
0: muscular
1: difference. Muscular effort needed.
0: Yeah.
1: What happens over time when we have forward head translation is that we start to break down the discs in our cervical spine
0: okay. and we
1: develop osteoarthritis. And it's the same sort of wear and tear that you can get when you have a difference in leg length to the joints there. So mm-hmm. body balance and body conformation is extremely important okay for us in so many ways and taking it a step further you know most people many many people are diagnosed with fibromyalgia Mm
2: -hmm. and if
1: you look at the explanation of that fibromyalgia is a mysterious disease where you have um several areas of body pain okay okay the medical profession really doesn't have a answer for why people have fibromyalgia. It's sort of like um, idiopathic, you know, disease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The but the fact is, I believe, as a chiropractic orthopedist, and I've seen this many, many times, people with fibromyalgia actually just have a collection of body imbalances. Okay. And they strain their six hundred and thirty nine muscles. Uh, in by doing so, and their mm-hmm. joints. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. over time, I mean, correcting these problems is paramount. Um, leveling the pelvis, uh, getting a better posture in your neck, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. So over the years, dealing with this population of people with all this collection of problems, mm-hmm. uh, I started to design and actually develop um, items to correct forward head posture, okay. um, to treat carpal tunnel to mm-hmm. um, as a uh, knee brace as well. So okay. different things I've developed. Um, but there is a way to balance and correct the body if you understand how to do it. So
0: and how so how do you so this podcast is about scoliosis which we have touched on. So how do you number one have you had patients in your career who have had scoliosis and how have you helped them, not just in correcting them, but in giving them their own tools for their life of living with scoliosis?
1: Well, the best thing I can do for a patient is to level them and correct them as best I can. Okay. Exercise is a very important part of all of this, as you, as you know, Yeah. Having gone through this, as we were discussing before we actually went on air. Um, Balancing is critical, but then exercise is important. Uh, There are ways structurally to help change the uh, curvatures to some extent with stretching and other modalities. Okay. Uh, So uh, it just uh, depends on the each individual is unique. And what I try to do is I try to balance them from the ground up, okay. and help to restructure their muscle tissue um, and reduce curvatures through therapy. Uh, even nutrition is important. Um, one thing that many people probably don't understand, and it's sort of important to understand this as well when you know because our we have these twenty four movable vertebrae. Mm-hmm. Um, with discs between they must remain flexible and our spines need to have good mobility Mm -hmm. discs between the vertebrae do not get their nutrition directly via a blood supply the blood actually uh, blood vessels actually enter the vertebrae and then the nutrition for the discs actually have to Osmos almost through the bones themselves into the discs
2: okay and for
1: that to happen they have to be flexible and mobile one problem is uh, that i see often is when people lose flexibility in their spine this the discs start to degenerate very quickly
2: okay
1: so good spinal mobilization is important and one of the best ways to get that Is through spinal manipulation, through adjustments. Um, So chiropractic care in that regard is vital.
2: Okay.
1: And uh, many people, um, only about 20% of the population actually see chiropractors. And that's a real shame and a disservice to them, to the rest of the population. Uh, Because the fact is, many people think that chiropractic care is risky or unsafe hmm. But when I was writing my book about two years ago, I did some research and I was looking at what doctors pay for malpractice. Your mm-hmm. average GP or internist pays about twenty thousand dollars a year okay. for his malpractice insurance. OK. An orthopedic surgeon pays about one hundred and fifty thousand a year. An OBGYN pays about one hundred and ninety thousand a year. As a chiropractor, I pay less than $2,000 a year for my malpractice. Wow. Okay? Yeah. So, so now, you know, malpractice risk is based on actuarial tables,
2: mm-hmm. okay? Okay. Of
1: clients paid, okay? Okay. So you can see pretty quickly that chiropractic is extremely safe. One thing you hear often is, Chiropractors will give you a stroke, they'll give you a stroke, they'll give you a stroke. Dr. Handelman, uh, who's an MD, looked at 10 years worth of claims made for the 4,500 chiropractors in Canada. And he found that the chance of having a stroke from a chiropractic manipulation Mm -hmm. was one in 5.85 million. So, that's, I, uh, I, that's yeah, a
0: lot. That's a lot. And I just, I've never, I, that's.
1: <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's mind boggling. Now, the problem is this. When you're having a stroke, you don't just have it immediately. Strokes mm-hmm. usually uh, take several days to develop. One of the things that happens when you have a stroke is you can often have neck pain or discomfort in mm-hmm. the early days okay of a vascular dissection that's one form of stroke so if you go see a chiropractor while you're having this sort of problem okay Mm -hmm. and a manipula is done then and you on to have a stroke Mm -hmm. then that is one uh that may be linked to the stroke but isn't the cause of the stroke right if you okay so, <laughs> I would like people to understand that chiropractors is very safe.
0: Yeah, I've, I've never heard the the stroke aspect. I've heard many times that people are afraid. And I, I personally know people who go to chiropractors who, such as myself, are fused and they swear by it. You know, it's just right. part of their regular practice. Um, yeah,
1: and it should be. Should be. Yeah, because, it's... yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, true. But I'll tell you something very interesting that most people would never believe. They did a study a few years ago, looking at um, it was Dr. B.F.D. Giovanni and colleagues Mm in 2014 and 15. They looked at all the medical schools in the United States. Okay, there's 141 at that time,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and they they wanted to see how much time and training medical students got in the diagnosis and treatment of musculoskeletal problems. Mm -hmm. These would be spinal problems, joint problems, muscular problems. Mm -hmm. And they found that in these 141 medical schools, only 15% of them required any study whatsoever in this area. And the study that they mandated was between one and three weeks let me repeat that it was between one (gasps) and three weeks that's not
0: that's less than nothing
1: now if i'm inaccurate in anything i'm saying i would like the medical profession to come and sue me because they certainly should do that if i'm misstating anything in my book i have 167 citations from okay. studies that have been done mainly mm-hmm. by medical doctors.
2: okay, mm-hmm.
1: And um, this is a sad, but true fact that medical doctors, your primary care physicians don't know anything about how to treat spinal joint or muscular problems.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's also, I've had this conversation many times, um, you know, physical therapists, versus uh shroth specialists which are people specifically for scoliosis and people say i've gone to a physical therapist it's like they don't get the training specifically for your spine and how to correct the curve if that's what you need and it's 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 a disservice and and it's frustrating you know and and This is a conversation that, you know, as we've, as I've shared with you, it's, I'm very passionate about it for my own story and my daughter and, and the, the dark space that I was in at the time, because we didn't have the information. And, you know, it was, and I tell people now, it's like, don't look on Google, because it will give you the worst of the worst. And it'll bring you to a space that can just keep you embedded in fear. And um, it's it's mind blowing. It's like, it doesn't, it's, it's just very frustrating.
1: Right. (laughs) So another thing that, that I'd like to touch on briefly, and Mm -hmm. this is sort of important, uh, the book that I wrote, Healing the Human Machine, and I'd like to, if you don't mind. Yeah, please show
0: us. Please show us. I will be giving everybody a link to this book uh, on the show.
1: All righty. So, um, Although celiosis is one of my my uh, interests, I have um, another major interest. And in, the fact is, is that short of breaking a bone, the only thing that we can injure when we hurt ourselves is soft tissue. Okay. Our bodies are actually held together by muscle, joint, ligament, tendon, all right? Mm -hmm. And even if we did break a bone, we could also injure soft tissue. So if I see 20 patients walking through my door, new patients, 19 of those people are going to have soft tissue injuries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And the advice that most people are given today is to stretch, massage and heat those problems. Mm -hmm. And that is diametrically wrong for their resolution, for their healing. You have to understand that when you have a soft tissue injury, you actually have internal injury inside, usually a muscle. And what's happened there is that some of the microfibers of the muscle have been torn. They're inflamed and they're actually torn inside. Okay. When we stretch, it's akin to pulling the scab off a superficial wound. Okay. Except that the wound is inside. So Mm -hmm. when we stretch and massage, we're actually making our condition worse.
2: Okay.
1: All right. So problem I have with physical therapists is that they take their title very uh, literally and they're too physical. Now, if you're rehabbing uh, a knee that's been replaced, Mm PT is great. Mm -hmm. But if you have a back problem and you go to a PT and you get stretched and massaged, chances are you're going to get much worse very quickly. Okay. All right. So there's a whole different regimen of treatment that's required for these various injuries. And these injuries are not. Are often in the neck, shoulder, knee, leg, mm-hmm. lower back. Because when we uh, exert ourselves or when we fall or have an injury or when we sit at a computer for eight, 10, 12 hours a day, right. we either have ma- macro trauma or major trauma, as in a fall, or we have micro trauma, which okay. is a slow, insidious thing, but mm-hmm. it still damages tissue. So my book, uh Healing the Human Machine, is really uh a self-help guide for people with any sort of body pain, um, and tells them how to uh alleviate the treatments to do, which things to avoid, and uh the importance of good posture when mm-hmm. you're trying to heal. So it's um
0: it's it's, it's a uh,
1: Pretty important book, I think.
0: I was gonna say it's a wonderful title because it's about what you're giving people is about empowerment. Right. You know, not and just also, for you know, that, but for the long term to say this is what you can do yeah. to to make yourself better with whatever it is that you're going through in your body. And these are the tools that you can use to help yourself. And that's huge.
1: It is, it is. That's and, huge. You know, our bodies are wonderfully designed, you know, and they can heal Mm
2: -hmm. if we
1: allow them to. But if we do the wrong therapies day in and day out, if we do stretching, massaging, sleep, you know, poorly in in awkward positions that stress our bodies, the muscles don't have to heal. They really don't. And I've seen people come in here to my office who've been everywhere, done everything, had Mm -hmm. all the most Expensive tests done that show nothing or no abnormality.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they're in pain, terrible pain. Yeah. And the resolution yeah. to that is so simple. It's doing the right therapy and avoiding the wrong procedures. You know? I see I, it I, over and over again. If you go to my website, well, actually, if you look up my office, it's Warbit Brain and Spine Therapy. Okay. And you just Google it and look at the white pages,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you'll see reviews from some of my patients. Um, and and I think they speak to the um effectiveness of you know this type of treatment. Yeah. Um so I think that, you know, there are many things wrong with how it is conducted today. Mm-hmm. Um Starting from the ignorance of the average practitioner to the oversight of radiologists in reading X-rays to bad advice given to people in pain, uh, it's it's pretty amazing,
0: and it's really unfortunate because uh, you know it's so often I, I've I found in in being in this and doing this this podcast, oftentimes people will find a professional and it becomes less about the patient and more about whatever it is that they're putting out there and it, but it's not, right. you know? And if if there's, you know, if there's a, a physical therapist and a, a orthopedist and a chiropractor, if they all come together to talk to this patient, to join forces, that's about helping that individual and not making it about right. themselves.
2: And I think
0: that's, that's so important, but I love the name of your book. And I, I, if you would show us again, um, the name of your book. And I also want to mention that we're kind of neighbors. You're right above me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, the reason why I do this podcast is to share this information and to bring people on who Talk about their professions, such as yourself, and how you have helped people over the course of your career, um, which Mm. you said is 40 years, I believe. 40
1: years. 42, Ashley.
0: 42 years. So that's and you've seen a lot. You've seen a lot. Yeah,
1: I've treated. I'm in Warwick, New York. Warwick is uh, a little hamlet just north of New York City. It's a lovely little town, and I've had the pleasure of being here all all my career. And uh, I've treated so many hundreds and thousands of people here. Um, And, you know, chiropractors don't uh, give medication. Mm -hmm. So when a patient walks in my door, I've got to be very accurate in my diagnosis and treatment, because I can't give them anything to uh, diminish their pain. Mm -hmm. I can only be um, accurate in resolving their pain okay i have to and and i don't have a lot of time to do that because if my patients aren't seen in two or three visits they're typically they're not going to be here yeah you know they're gonna walk yeah so um i had to become accurate and effective basically to flourish in my practice okay but I've gotten such a great reward from just helping people, you know, doctors get paid money for, for doing their work, but that's really not what gratifies a doctor. You know, it's, it's, it it shouldn't. No, it should not.
0: Yeah. No, no. And it's, um, but you are, you are proof because you have had the career of 42 years. And and I'm still doing it. And you're still doing it, and that
1: I'm still doing it.
0: You know, and and for anybody, as you just said, who is in the profession, you know, the gift is, it's not about us. It's not about, it's about the individual, and you giving them the space to be who they should be when they didn't have it. Right. right. And and. That I feel is the reward that is um, you can't you can't put a price on that. You just well, you know,
1: when you have someone, I've had patients actually carried into my office. I've had patients with migraines that are so severe that they're bedridden for days, and I mean to see those patients turn around in two, three, four weeks. Yeah. And Definitely. after months and months and months of pain and it happens all the time
0: that hurts. It hurts that people are living with that much pain for that long right for that
1: long but you know I wish I wish medical doctors would just be honest I, I just wish <laughs> when people walk in you know people are so trusting. And the doctor has the white coat and the stethoscope around the neck and the whole yep. demeanor. Yep. If they would just be honest and say, look, folks, you have a lower back pain. You've got a shoulder pain. I don't know anything about this. you see someone who does,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And,
1: <clears throat> and I wish that they would reach out, you know, because medical doctors don't reach out. They don't call up the local chiropractor and say, Hey, you know, I've got 10 patients here with back pain, neck pain, this and that.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you
1: think you could just, let us let me send you these 10 patients and let's see how you do with them.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Let's just give you a try and see yep. how you're doing. And if you're pretty effective, I'll send you 10 more.
0: Yeah. You know? if If that were to happen, the community would explode. Yeah.
1: It the would. professional and,
0: community would explode in the best right. way possible. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And you know, study after study after study show that chiropractors are much more effective at treating this, these types of problems
2: mm-hmm. than
1: medical doctors. mean okay. there are yeah, citations aplenty in my book to show that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, mind boggling that that's not happening.
0: Yeah. Dr. Hargis, I would like to thank you so much for giving us your time to talk about all of this. You've unpacked a lot for us today on the show, but I would like to thank you once again for being a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. Dr. Hargis is in Warwick, New York, just outside of New York City. I will be listing all the platforms on which you can find him uh, should you have any questions, but Dr. Hargis, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For giving us your
1: time being a guest on the show. Teresa, I'd just like to say before you go that I have about 20 videos on YouTube. Okay. So if patients want to know more about some of these problems, they can look up Healing the Human Machine or Dr. Calvin Hargis and they'll find them.
0: Thank you again.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.